are listening to Intersections with Phil Allen Jr., engaging the issues that matter at the intersection of race, culture, and theology. I recently saw an Instagram post from this week's guest, Kristen Spriggs, highlighting her indigenous background as a descendant of the Lumbee tribe. I had no idea what her story would be, so she agreed to sit with me virtually and share her story, and I thought it was imperative for her to bring it to Intersections. We all have a story worth telling, one that could help others. There are two storylines that converge here, a story of forgiving a father who was absent most of her childhood and a story that involves her learning of her indigenous background on a deeper level after meeting his side of the family. The very relationship that wounded her was the relationship that was the bridge to knowing all of who she is. It was a bridge to healing, to wholeness. I believe there is something for each of us to learn about forgiveness and healing and about our own journeys of discovering the fullness of our identities. Kristen, welcome to Intersections. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I saw one of your posts. We had been, uh, I guess, following each other on social media, but I saw one of your posts about um, your, 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 the native side of your family, which we're gonna talk about later on in this, in this, in this episode. And it intrigued me, because I didn't know. And I'm like, wait a minute, she's Native American? And, um, and I reached out, and I'm, I'm, you were so gracious to accept the invitation to come and, and, and share your story. And um, so we're gonna do a couple of things here. We're gonna talk about healing and wellness in, within your journey, but we're also gonna talk about this other journey to embracing and, and walking in this this Native American indigenous um, side of, of, of your 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 ancestry. So I'm excited to have this conversation. We we've already spoken, you know, before, and I'm I'm ready for the listeners of Intersections to hear all the wisdom that you have to share. So thank you so much for for being here. Mm, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I, Susan Christopher, we've got mutual friends through Susan and through Sarah Dornbos, Um, And that's how I started following you. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of led um, one thing to another. And with my post this last month, um, yeah, thank you for reaching out and just asking um, about my story. Awesome, awesome. So let's start with, with you sharing about yourself. Um, I always want the guests to, to share about themselves. Where are you from? Tell us about, about your family as much as you're comfortable with. What do you do? What are your passions? All that good stuff. Okay. Um, we, I'm from Sierra Madre, California. Um, I am in my 28th year of marriage to my, wow. my husband, Barry. Awesome. Um, and we have two daughters that are both uh, college age and um, living at home because of COVID. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I, I am able to stay home. And that has been awesome. Um, I used to teach preschool. Um, and so, yeah, but I've been home now and um, I do a lot of volunteer work um, at our church. Um, I do a lot of volunteer work with um, the Center for Racial Reconciliation at Fellowship and um, my passions. Um, anything creative, okay. <laughs> creative, um, yeah, whether crafts, um, gardening for sure. Um, and that has been a, a newer, more expanded kind of uh, practice <laughs> these days. 
and um, and hospitality. Honestly, I'll say that is is definitely a passion, and it's it feels like um, not a career at sometimes, but <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just my heart. It's just my heart for having people in and creating spaces. So. Uh, that's kind of what I do most of the time. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I want to dive right in. We, we got into some some really deep conversation in the past. And I, I want to start off with talking about this journey that you've been on, you had been on for a number of years um, involving your father. And mm -hmm. there's there's some 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 pain there. There's some healing there. And I know that, you know, I have gone through that similar journey. Um, of having a father wound. And so it resonated with me when you shared. Wow. I know that there are listeners who either have gone through that journey or in that journey or are too afraid to start the journey of healing <laughs> a relationship yeah. that has been estranged or painful. So can you uh, talk about, as much as you're comfortable with, can you talk about that journey with your father um, as you did with me once before? Sure. Um, yeah. And I didn't say in the beginning, but um, I am Lumbee and Northern European. Um, I am of the Lumbee tribe and they are uh, mostly in the Pembroke and Lumberton, North Carolina area. And there's also a huge community in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, and that's my dad is from um, North Carolina. Uh, most of my family is still in uh, Lumberton and Pembroke. And um, he was here. Uh, he lived here in California um, and met my mom and they got married. Um, but they got divorced very early on. Um, I was only five. Um, he stayed living in Sierra Madre, which is a very small town, and he worked for the city. So I would see him <laughs> as we were around town, um, but he was pretty absent as a dad and a father. Um, so yeah, I don't have a lot of memories of him uh, in my younger days. Um, he would occasionally come and pick my brother up. I only have one um, full blood brother uh, and he, my dad would come and pick us up occasionally. <laughs> he was not consistent mm -hmm. with our weekends with him. Um, and even those times when we were together, he worked for the city during the week, but then on the weekends, he had his own trim tree trimming company. And so basically what would happen is we'd go to work with them. So he'd get up in the morning, we'd get up with them. I would sit in the truck <laughs> and, um, my brother would usually try to help him a little bit. Um, but we were probably eight and, and six at that time. So there's not a whole lot for us to do. Um, but that was kind of how our days were spent and our weekends were spent when we were with him. So it was not even really that engaging. Um, and then my mom remarried when I was 10. So five years later, she remarried. And um, yeah, we were, we were a little family of four again. And um, my dad still lived in the same town, but I assume that he kind of wanted to give us our space um, and let us try to be a family. Um, and he wasn't that involved anyhow. So I think it was kind of just, it just kind of fell into that, that uh, void even more so. 
Um, but that same summer that my mom and my stepdad had gotten married, we, my dad did take my brother and I back to North Carolina for the first time. Okay. So we, <laughs> I, I knew nothing um, of this family. I remember seeing my grandpa for the first time and thinking, I've seen someone like that in a history book. And that was kind of it. He was a very tall, slender and quiet man, did not say a whole lot. Um, and that was kind of my one and only impression of him. And then my dad just kind of took us all around to, to different family members. He, he had a very large family. And so we just kind of hung out with aunts and uncles and cousins that we never knew. Um, and spent, I, I don't know, I feel like, I don't know exactly how long, but like, it feels in my memory, like it was a long time that we were there. So, so let me, let me ask you this. When you said your grandfather looked like, you remember seeing someone like him in the, in the history books. What did you mean by yeah. that? Um, I mean, I think our, what we'll have in a history book of, uh, I'll say quote unquote, stereotypical Indian man is this, um, this dark skinned, he was very aged and wrinkly um, and yeah, just quiet and somber. And, and I think like, you know, at 10 <laughs> and not knowing, like it, it was a little scary and scary and a little, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of scary to be honest. You know, yeah. I, I didn't know, I didn't know what I was, I didn't know where I was going or who I was going to encounter. Um, when we went back there, so so this was all this was all brand new. Oh, yes, just even yes. even spending that type of time with your dad, <laughs> that was all yes. new. So so yes. let me ask you when when wh where would you say the turning point began? Um, because it seems like at that point, it wasn't like acute pain, but something was missing or lacking in that relationship. Obviously, with your dad. Um, was there a turning point soon after that where there was estrangement? Was there a turning point where there was a, 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 the beginning of healing? When, when was that? that yeah, it point? actually it actually turned into more estrangement um, when we returned. Um, he had several girlfriends, um, the at different times, but the the one that I do remember being the most like maternal. Um, I was around 13. So again, that's another three years before I have memories with him. Um, and we, he was a little bit more consistent with us coming for the weekend, but she also had a teenage daughter that could drive. So I think it was, it's easy to have us come over because she could take care of us. Mm. Um, so it wasn't the burden we'll say <laughs> was not on him. Um, and, uh, but then after that, I really don't, I don't remember having any time with him during high school. Um, and then my next, honestly, my next encounter with him was one day I got a phone call. Um, I was 19 or 20 and I got a phone call um, from a hospital asking if my name was Kristen Bell and if I was the daughter of Leo Bell. And I said, yes. And he had had a major stroke and they found uh, my phone number and name in his wallet and we're calling just to see what my relationship was with him. So I then got thrown back into his life at that point. And um, while he was uh, in the hospital, so the stroke left him unable to, to speak 
or to move his left side. Um, but he was fully able to make decisions. So after weeks and weeks of working with a social worker, um, I called one day uh, saying, hey, I'm coming out. They're gonna move him to Casa Kalina. And they're like, he signed himself out. And so I remember I called him up and I said, I'm done. I like you popped back into my life and threw all this in here. And then you're going to do this. Like I'm 1920 um, years old and, and having to take care of you and I'm not seeing you. And then you're just going to make a move like this. So um, that was it. He, he moved in with um, some friends and they took care of him. Um, he did not go back to work. He was unable to go back to work after that. Um, and I was kind of done with, with mm -hmm. him and kind of just like, okay, this is just how it's going to be. And I don't want to be involved. Um, and yeah, just wounded, just wounded. What was that triggering for you? Did it, it, it bring, you know, it's one thing for it, for someone to be tired of, you know, I'm mm -hmm. tired of trying, I'm tired of trying. And it's another thing when it, that is triggering something very specific in our past. Um, there's some things, even to this day, um, I love my dad, but there's certain things that he may say or do or has said or done over the years, not so much today, I'm, I'm in a good space, but over the years that literally triggered a moment when I was a child. Mm. Like it took me back not to a, 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 a season of my life, it took me back to a moment. Was there something like that that happened with that? Or was it just, I'm just tired of trying and the neglect and what was that for you? Um, all right, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like, um, I think probably at that time, I was just tired and ticked off and, and yeah. I think I was probably tired and ticked off. Mm -hmm. um, when you said this just now, though, I there's an incident that happened. Um, I was seven. My brother was five. We had these stones leading up to the front door of our house. And my dad was supposed to come. And my brother was is younger. And he was sitting on the step. And my dad was three hours late and I kept walking down. I'm like, he's not coming. Like, can you get back in the house? He's like, no, he's going to come. He's going to come. I'm like, he is not coming. Like dad's not going to show up again. And, um, like even at five and seven, I think we had a knockout drag out. Um, and I think when you were just saying that, like, it just triggers in me. Like I have always, I've always tried covering for him. I've always tried, you know, even being little, um, like taking care of my brother, um, but knowing fully what the situation is. <laughs> and, um, and then even with my dad, I think there's, I, I think there's, there had to be some hope <laughs> in me that maybe, maybe this, at the point of his stroke, that there could be a turnaround, um, that maybe, all of his running and avoiding us and whatever, like you can't go that far now um, and you need us. <laughs> and I think probably I was just really hopeful. Um, and then when he, he did that, that, yeah, that just kind of severed a lot of ties. Now, was there ever any point 
in this journey afterwards, I, I guess I'm, we kind of fast forward a little bit. Is okay. there ever any point later when that estrangement turned, well, that, that hope was fulfilled, where that estrangement mm -hmm. turned into, okay, this is, this is better. I, I, we have this relationship. There's some healing starting to happen. Is there ever, was there a turning point there? Yeah. So, um, I, I had taken, when I had my first daughter, um, I took her out to go meet my dad. Um, I, I called up the caregiver and I was like, I, ju I just want to know he had a granddaughter. And so I, I went out there with, with my oldest and, um, he did not live in a very good area in Pomona. And so he just motioned to me, he made like, um, a finger gun, we'll call it. And then pointed, you know, pointed to his ear and then pointed to the door. And I was like, I hear it too. What are you saying? And he just kept pointing to the door and I said, do you want me to go? Is it not safe? And he nodded his head. Um, so I left that day. Um, and it had been years since I'd seen him. I left that day and I would send cards. I would send, um, pictures of my husband and I and our daughter. And then we had our second daughter and I called up and I was like, Hey, I want to come out again, you know? And the caregiver was like, Oh, he moved back to North Carolina. He went to go be with family. And I was like, what? I mean, she is the one that had been getting the mail that had, you know, she had like even made a blanket for the the girls. And so I'm like, well, you know that I'm involved and I'm trying to create some space here and, and a relationship and that nobody called and told me. I, I just was like, Ugh. so again, again, once again, yeah, <laughs> again, he leaves um, and I'm left. And, um, so then <laughs> one Sunday, um, I'm just sitting in church and our pastor was sharing how his dad had become really ill. And, um, and I just felt like God saying, you need to go check on him. Like, you just need to go check on your dad. And I was like, okay. And I, I did, I just had this feeling like I needed to go see him. I, you know, yes, he was with family, but I didn't know them. I didn't know, you know, I knew here I could go see where he was and check on him. And I was close enough, but I had no idea about this, this family back in North Carolina or what the circumstances were. So I made the decision and told my husband, I was like, I think I need to go see my dad. So, um, I think that was about 17 years ago. And I went back and went back by myself and I stayed with my aunt that I had never met before. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's some, I was telling someone last night a little bit about this story and I said, you know, if, I think it was God's kindness, I'd like to say, but you know, he still never regained his speech and movement. And for a, a daughter that had been wounded, like I had a few things I needed to get off my chest and say to him <laughs> and not be interrupted. So the beauty that uh, of him not being able to talk back. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't harsh, but it was just like I came 3000 miles. Yeah. And there's some things I need to say to you. But ultimately, like I came to check on you because I care mm, mm. and I couldn't just I couldn't just not know where you are. I couldn't just leave you. Um, and always wonder. So I think that was a huge turning point for me. Um, and I, and it was for me. <laughs> um, I think it may, I know it made him really happy, but I know that it did wonders for me to just be like, 
I need this for myself. I need to go tell him some of the things on my heart and, and offer forgiveness <laughs> and, um, and just make sure he's okay. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was, that was about 17 years. You know, you, this is a, a profound moment in your journey and I, I want people to really get what you're saying. Um, forgiveness is hard. Yes. Right. And for a lot of us, we don't realize what we're carrying when we carry mm -hmm. unforgiveness towards it. It really is more harmful to us yeah. than it is to the other person. I mean, you just said you, you offered forgiveness, but it was it was something that you needed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what people miss. Um, yeah. And I, I think is the timing is right for your story for this episode, this this podcast. Mm -hmm because we're going into the holidays and the holidays can be tough for a lot of people when there's estrangement from family, family that you really deep down love. Um, and, and this may be a season where someone needs to offer forgiveness and realize mm -hmm. it's not letting people off the hook. Yes. It's letting you off the hook. Yes. And I've said this a million times in sermons, tried to say it in different ways for people to understand it's not just benefiting the other person. They may mm -hmm. not even appreciate it. But right. <laughs> more than anything, this offering of forgiveness is a, a laying down of the weight that you carry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's burdening one's heart, one's mind, um, one's body. Yes. Right. Blood pressure elevated, yeah. um, stress, anxiety, mm -hmm. because you're carrying something you were never meant to carry. Yeah. Yeah. And you were carrying something since you were a child mm -hmm. that you were not meant to carry. It's not my job. <laughs> right? So imagine how many people yeah. are carrying burdens right now since they were children yeah. that they were never meant to carry. Yeah. But it's become so much a part of them, their lives and who they are. Mm -hmm. They don't even recognize it's, a, it's weight anymore. Right. They recognize it as a part of them. Right. 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 Yeah. I tell a different story now about my dad. You know, mm. it's, it's, I'm, I'm able to, I'm able to tell a different story. I think that has helped me with, um, even just embracing my lumpy heritage and that family. It's like, it's not, I don't feel like, um, it's tied to him in such a negative way or like, ugh or even throwing all of them out because of him. Yes. Um, like, yeah, I, I had to, I had to hear and learn and understand a different story. Um, and that only came, I think after, after that trip. Um, so. You just said something, I'm going to share something really quick because you said I was able to, to, you said, if I got it correctly, you were able to to tell a different story about him or say different things about him yeah, than yeah. before. So for yeah. me, I may have shared this in a previous episode. I'm not sure. But for me, I was getting ready to preach one Sunday years ago, 2012, 13, 2013. I was getting ready to preach. And I was going to preach on the Ten Commandments. And one of those verses, honor your father and your mother. <laughs> And I promise you, the Holy Spirit jacked me up in the shower and said, you can't <laughs> preach on this because you do not honor your father. Yeah. I had already gone through this process where I had forgiven my dad. 
I had already begun this process to try and love my dad, to actually do acts of love when I'm, to, when I'm interacting with him. But the last piece, and I have a t-shirt made with this, this saying on there, I needed to honor my father. Because I, would, I realized every time I talked about him in a sermon, it was negative. Mm. Every time I talked about him to people, it was the things that he did that was wrong and bad and yeah. abandonment yeah. and neglect. And that was the first time. I mean, it was a whole scene. I'm not going to go through the whole scene. It was a whole <laughs> scene. I had to, the Lord really showed me in that moment to picture my father in a casket. And my grandmother asking me, can you eulogize him? Mm. And then she said this, in, in, in this, I'm having this in my head, my grandmother saying to me, can you say something nice about him? Can you honor him? And that's when it broke for me. Mm. And I began, I preached at a men's conference and I got a guy to come up and lay down in front of me. And I eulogized him, my father, as he was playing my father. I eulogized my father in front of all these men, 700 men. There wasn't, mm. everyone was in there in tears mm. because all the, all the father wounds. Yeah. <laughs> so what you said like that resonates with me because I had to do the same thing. I had, I be, that's when the healing really yeah. is present. When you're like, I can actually say better things. I could honor this person, mm -hmm. esteem them. Yeah. Right. And I was going to ask you how challenging was it to embrace his, that Lumbee side knowing that he was kind of the connect, he was not kind of, he was the connecting yeah. point, right? Yeah. And you, you just shared on it, but was that, would it have been challenging prior to for you to embrace that side? Did you have any interest in embracing that side prior to that, that uh, moment where you began to heal and forgive? Um, well, kind of two things, like um, because he was so absent growing up, like it wasn't even an option, you know, I keep going, gosh, you know, was, was it assimilating or not? Or like, what? but I'm like, it wasn't even, he wasn't even an option to know, <laughs> like I wasn't trying to blend in. Like I just didn't have another choice to know of to fit in or whatever. So it just, I lived in the world that I lived in. Um, and he wasn't there to say, Hey, this is, this is a part of you as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's that, but then I will, I, I will fly forward to only five years ago. And I went back for my aunt Margaret's funeral, um, which was his sister. And um, I don't even know how my aunties and I got talking about it, but they, they asked me and, you know, I've been back, I've been back several times. And it was the first time that they, they actually asked me about my dad and like what it was like growing up with him. And I kind of let them spin it for a bit. Like I didn't know what they were asking and really what they wanted to know when it came down to it, what they wanted to know was, you know, like, well, how was he as a dad? Like you grew up and he was there for you guys, right? You and Dan, but I was like, no, like he wasn't a part of our life at all. And they all broke into tears. Mm. And, and what they said, they're like, why have you come back then? Like, why do you come back here then? And I said, cause you're my family. Like I, you are a part of me and I want to know you. And it just, it just wasn't a thing to me, um, with my dad. And I, I guess the only thing I can say about that and the, the connection or lack of connection is, um, 
I think because of that moment of forgiveness and because I was able to, because I didn't have anything else I was really caring, um, I could come back and just, I could be um, Kristen Bell. It's my maiden name, but it's like, I could come back and be Kristen Bell and, and be part of them and sit at the table with them. Like I've always, like I had always been there, which I haven't, but it just felt very natural and I felt very comfortable. But um, yeah, when I, when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, that first time that I went back, they just thought I was coming back to see my dad and visit. They had no idea that I had business to do. <laughs> um, so, so it was just funny to realize that, you know, I think there was like a 13 year span in between my first trip and then just five years ago and that whole journey of going back several times. And then it finally coming to my last trip home and, and they were like, what? Um, he wasn't around. I'm like, no. Um, and I think it impacted them a lot, but I think that impacted me. Like, yeah, there was nothing, I wasn't holding anything against them. Um, and if anything, I wanted more of them. I wanted to know all the things. Um, but I think part of, I think a huge part of it is just because of, of that forgiveness. Um, and then, you know, even after, so I don't think this would have happened either. So after that time that I went to go see him by myself, again, sitting in church, um, I was like, he, he needs to meet my husband. You know, he needs to meet my husband. He needs to meet my girls. Um, Amy was six, Maddie was eight. And so my stepdad's sister, um, my aunt Pat, she attended the same church as us. And so I told her and she was like, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like we weren't even, we weren't even talking about it. And I just went up and was sharing, like, I think, I think he needs to meet the girls. So, so we went back again and I took my family, but, um, like someone had said in a class one time, uh, that like when you share your story and your journey with someone, you're very particular. You tend to be very particular on who you'll share that with because it's like your baby. You don't go passing off your child to anybody. And these things are very precious. The story is very precious to me and it's been a, a long journey. But I know like actually my most precious things are my husband and my girls and so for me to go back there and share that with him, um, that would, that definitely would not have happened had I not had those conversations with him before, um, had I not had that time with him before. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, I could give you a whole list of reasons like, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to be that kind of dad with me. I'm not going to give you my babies exactly. to even glean on. And, and yet, you know, my favorite moments and I actually caught them on, um, on film where we were, he and I were sitting down together and the girls were climbing a tree outside of his place. And my husband was helping and he just looks at me and he grabs my hand and he points to Barry and the girls and he just does a thumbs up. I was done. I was just <laughs> done. And my aunt was there and took some pictures of us and then picked, took pictures of the girls. But I never knew that I needed his, I, I, was, I never knew that I needed that from him, but yeah. like, I wanted to know, like, we're okay. I'm okay. And you get to see the best parts of me, even though you weren't, you weren't there. Like you yeah. still, you still can sit and, 
and glean and glow over what I have become and what I've got and be happy. And there's no guilt. I'm not, I'm not doing it to flaunt it yeah. like in a bad way or rub it in your face. I'm like, I want to share this with you. Yeah. Um, so no, it's okay too to long for that affirmation yeah. from yeah. a dad or a mom. You know, a lot of people, they, they struggle with that. I, I'm, I'm 48 years old and I still, my father tells me he's proud of me. I'm like a little kid right. because I, I, I it, to use a, uh, another word, I was malnourished mm -hmm. in a way, metaphorically Perfect. speaking from those affirmations yeah. growing up. So any time I get it, and he, he doesn't hold back <laughs> mm. now. It just like Love with it. me and my siblings, he it, it, he just says it right. It just comes out yeah. like all like like almost like he's he's wanting to not make up for lost time. But I don't think he, I don't <laughs> yeah. think that's what yeah. it is. But I think he's just freer now to just say it, and mm. I, I'm never tired of it, right? Yeah. So it's okay to long and and have that yeah. that moment where you're like, wow, I got it, and, yeah. because not everyone does. Not everyone gets that, yeah. you know. Yeah. You said one of your passions, I want to go back to your passions. I want to, I want to connect some dots. <laughs> hospitality. Mm. And, that, and that was a moment of hospitality. Mm. You sharing mm. your family with him was <laughs> not, like you said, it wasn't to flaunt it. It was you being hospitable, <laughs> inviting him into your space, right? That's healing. <laughs> now that's healing. When you yeah, can I, but I never like Terry, because I never thought about that, but that is, yes. and that's my heart. Like, yes, come in and sit with me is always my, my heart when people come to my home. But like, I never, I never realized at that, that moment that was, that was yeah. you being you. <laughs> so imagine what it did to him. He couldn't mm -hmm. speak, but yeah. you being you hospitable, mm -hmm. effortless. It's just who you are. Right. Imagine what it did to him. So yeah. if he's never really affirmed you, imagine what it did to get him to do the thumbs up, right. to lift up that that right arm, yeah, yeah, and, and approve or, or or affirm. It's his yeah. way of saying I'm proud of you. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And it yeah. was it was you being who you are. Mm. Right. Um, and and you, and speaking of hospitality, you mentioned. Your aunts, when you, you once yeah. before you mentioned how they welcomed you in, into the family, like you had been there for, share a little bit about that. Like, cause you said, you know, they just, they just welcomed you and just treated yeah. you like, like they've known you all your life. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. I've been able to stay with each one, um, each visit. <laughs> so it's kind of nice to have some one-on-one -on -one time with them. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it honestly, it, it felt like. I had been raised there. It felt like I had been raised with them, with my, my cousins and whatever. Um, it just fit. It just, it just worked. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I'm going to, I hear stories of their lives and they hear stories of mine and I just giggle. I'm like, this it's in my blood. It's in you. <laughs> like, it's can in I you. get away from this? So, I mean, my mom's very much. So I was like, there's no running away from this, but um yeah, it just they just welcomed me in as soon as I as soon as I called and said, "Hey, I'm thinking of coming back." 
they would be like, okay, like, who are you going to stay with? And when are we, when is this happening? And, um, and my one cousin, Mark, um, he, he'll do some like tribute rides or fundraising rides um, on his Harley for different indigenous uh, causes and, and, and just in support, but he also has ridden across country. And so I don't even remember how long it goes, but he just called one day. He's like, yeah, I, I'm riding my bike across country. I'm in California. I'm out near like Rancho Cucamonga. I'm like, I said, okay, where are you staying? He goes, well, I was just going to go to a campground. I said, Mark, I'm like 20 minutes. You are not going. I said, your mother would kill me. <laughs> I think you're staying at the house. Um, you know, so I just told the girls, I was like, all right, somebody's got to, you know, share a bed with the other because Mark's coming and staying the night. And it's just, it's just who I am. It's who they are. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, That's awesome. It's just That's how an it awesome is. story. <laughs> now here's, here's another connection. Let's connect some more dots. And, uh -huh. and you can, you can see if this resonates. You said another passion of yours is gardening. Yeah. So then you said your father had a tree trimming <laughs> business. Yep. It was your kids climbing a tree. Yeah. And the moment that he gave that, uh, that uh, affirmation, mm -hmm. right? But also this land is your people's land. Yeah. Yeah. So gardening, mm. have you seen it differently than just a hobby, a thing that you do, that you like to do, but there's, there's a deeper connection there and your relationship with the land. Yeah. Um, I think that has even been a very healing space. Um, we built a large, <laughs> uh, garden house over COVID like the first week we were in lockdown. And, um, I have several aunts that have garden houses and, and, so I was like, I really, this is the time. We've got the time. Let's do it. So we built it. And then um, just through some of the, the learning that I've been doing, um, just really trying to tie in with my family, just the practice of gardening, but also just with foods um, and just things that would be from, from indigenous tribes. And so like just this morning, I planted quinoa. And then I put in some mustard greens and, um, and, and I planted okra this year for the first time. So I'm mm. trying to do some more things that are, um, are just from those Southern roots that are from the native, um, lands. Um, you speak in my just, language. <laughs> so like just things that just, well, it's, it's a connector. It's like the, what I put in the, in there to eat from, with my family, um, those are connectors to my family 3000 miles away. Mm. Um, but the gardening thing, honestly, I don't know why it's like one night I woke up and like, that's funny. I, I didn't put two and two together about my dad having the landscaping business and all that. And the fact that I love trees like crazy and that I love gardening. Um, and that is one thing that my mom will say about him that he always had a beautiful garden. Um, he loved to cook. Um, and, and I would remember that. So we would go for the day and he would work all day, but then we would just go in the backyard and, and pick what we needed if, if we could. And, uh, so yeah, it's just kind of funny. It feels like full circle, but also it's just such a huge, um, yeah, it's just such a huge connector for me. Well, well you know, as I'm, as I'm hearing you and I hope people get this, I think 
the way God has designed creation to be so interdependent to the point where even intergenerationally they're connectors. Yeah. And we are so inclined to fragment, to separate, to individualize, Mm. but we don't, we we don't even realize those connecting points that are built into creation, (laughs) whether it's mind and body, whether it's, uh, trauma from the past resonating or even passions from the lineage that, that manifests within our own lives. And we think it's just something we like to do, but no, it's in you. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And it, it, if, if ever a moment that I'm really getting that is now is listening to mm-hmm. your story mm-hmm. that built into creation are these connecting points. Yeah. It's up to us to embrace them or reject them. Right. And I think we, we, we fight against ourselves and we live against, um, we don't, we don't allow ourselves to live into, um, how God has, has made us mm-hmm. when we don't embrace those, those things, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, a couple more questions. Yeah. Lumbee tribe. <laughs> Cause you yeah. know, we talked a little bit before and I'm from South Carolina. So when you said Lumberton, I'm like, that's right up. Yeah, I know Lumberton. Because <laughs> um, I, I did a little bit of research, and I know they're still, they, they were recognized in the late 1800s as a, as a tribe, um, or the, it's, and the ancestors are recognized as, as Native, but they're still fighting for the benefits that come with that, my, my understanding. Um, but tell us a little bit about what you've learned about Lumbee people, um, tell us more about that. I want to, I want to know. And then I also mm. want to hear your, your take on Thanksgiving as, mm. as an indigenous, someone who's walking in that journey and embracing yeah. that side. Um, so I think, you know, I don't have a ton to share as far as like Lumbee history. Um, because I think I've been doing just such a deep dive on just my family. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of them, it, you know, they're all getting older and they're, they're passing away and I just lost my sister. And so it's just like one of those mm-hmm. things where like, I just keep realizing like, we don't have the gift of time. We don't have, um, we, we, we can't always count on another day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to get more family stories, um, than I am so much like old history, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they, I mean, from what I could tell you, uh, they are one of the largest tribes um, in the East. They are um, state recognized, but not federally recognized. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, they have the University of North Carolina Pembroke, which is one of the first um, native uh, colleges, universities, and I've got family that works there. Most of them went there. Um, and, uh, so yeah, they summertime will be, will be homecoming and, um, I'm hoping to get back this year. They always are asking. And I just feel like this is the year um, that I really need to try to get back there. But, um, yeah, that I would love to, to dive more into. I've been to them. They have a museum at the university and I went, I went to it with my aunts one time. 
and it, so there, yeah, and it, there's I, an African African ties as well. Yes, um, and that is even debated. Yeah, like from what I read, it's debated within the tribe. Um, but then when I but, see yeah, you, you, when I look at you, <laughs> I'm like, well, I mean, when we when we you and I were talking, and I it was through like a food uh, justice class that I had learned. And, and I was like, hold on about the Gullah Geechee people. And, yeah. the, um, and, and I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> but, you know, they, South Carolina, North Carolina, rice and all the things. And I'm like, um, it doesn't like, why are we fighting about this um, within the tribe? Like, it just, it makes sense. And then just justice wise, I mean, what I do know is, um, is how they did fight for, the um the black people in north carolina against the kkk Mm. often Mm -hmm. um the lumbies would surround them and Mm. and fight them off and so i'm to me i'm like why why are we why are we disputing this like i'm sure i'm sure there was some intermingling we'll say of course there were of course there. yeah um so yeah and and i have blue eyes and i always wondered about that and just assumed it was because my mom is Irish and Scottish, but then the more that I have done research, it's like, no, because we are, Lumbies are, are a mix of, of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, our tribe, even I think originally was three different tribes. And then because we were, um, uh, we were moved closer to the, the Lumbee river mm-hmm. is how we came up with, uh, with the lumber river is how we came up with the Lumbee name. But, um, yeah, I you know all that is still kind of new to me, and and the facts and getting it. So I don't want to get anything mixed no, I, up. But I, that's good. That was good. That was. But good. I love like yeah. I mean, and food's my other passion thing. But like then that honestly was a huge. Uh, it's just a huge way for me to learn about it as about lumbies as well, and um, and the the Carolina rice and just the connections there. I was like, you know, there's. There's, it doesn't surprise me. So, um, yeah. And just for clarity, when I say when I look at you, I'm, uh-huh. I'm just speaking of features. Like I can see the native features and I can yeah. see the, the, the African-American yeah. or African features as well. Yeah. And I like that's another one of my favorite stories is I went back three years ago. Our neighbor's daughter went to school. Uh, um, oh, gosh, now I'm going to forget but you know, she went to school in uh, South Carolina. Um, and uh, when I went back to go see her during her senior year, I was waiting with her mom in a restaurant and the host said, who's your people? And I burst into tears and I said, how did you know? And that is a common greeting for natives. And um, it just threw me because nobody, nobody, I'll say it in this way that most people don't know what to do with me. <laughs> They're like, we know you're not white, but we know we don't think you're fully black. Like they don't know. Yeah. And so yeah. sometimes they won't ask, but, but him saying that and being back there like that, that was just a sweet so spot in my heart. It just seems like there's so much on this journey that has been affirming for you. Yeah. From dad yeah. to your aunts yeah. to this man, this random person in a restaurant, yeah. just affirming yeah. who you are. And I think that's the beautiful thing I hear when I, when I listen to your story. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, the tragedy of race is that, again, mm. it has fragmented 
it, it fragments a person's humanity from them um, or separates that based on skin color, physical features. And then hundreds of years later, we're still trying to figure out who we are. Right. 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 And that should not be, you know, unfortunately, that's the that's the part of the problem. But mm. you seem to have gotten this these, these layers of affirmation through this journey. One last question about Thanksgiving, yeah. and then yeah, we can, we can close it out. But Thanksgiving, um, I'm all, because I always want to hear from um, indigenous people's perspective on Thanksgiving. Uh, has, has that changed for you over the years as we approach this holiday? How has your perspective um, differed? Yeah, um, I'd shared with you earlier that uh, the church that I grew up in um, was all white. And um, I remember a Thanksgiving service that we attended. And so the women sat on one side and the men sat on another side. And we had um, like a collar and a cap, pilgrim's collar and a cap made. And there's pictures of me wearing it and whatever. And I, I just think like, like who, who, who thought was this, who thought this was okay? And like, who, who did not question this, this little brown girl um, wearing this, but any who's. Um, so that goes from when I'm younger to now I have my own family. Um, and we've always focused it more on um, just gratefulness to the Lord for, for what we have and for another year. Um, but this last year, like this year, I am taking three sister salad to my mom's. Um, I'm going to do uh, red rice. Um, I am going to um, also just like for desserts. I always make dessert, but for dessert, um, I'm going to do an apple and cranberry because cranberries are very traditional. <laughs> You're not in your head. I'm not bringing sweet potato pie. <laughs> I, I was waiting on that. I have sweet potato butter for our biscuits, but <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> no problem. Um, but uh, you, you had yeah, me at red rice. To... You had me at red rice. <laughs> I haven't had in a long time. But just trying to bring in and and even I was like, can we not do turkey? Like I just don't want to do turkey. So we're really changing things up um, at my mom's house this year. Um, and then uh, we always do a thing the day afterwards with our our life group and we call it overflow. And so that I did say specifically, I was like, I don't want it. I said, I'm bringing things that are native to, to my lumpy family. Mm. And I'm probably going to swing a little bit more Southern, um, than, than the native is so much, but, um, I said, I want you all to bring things from your family. Um, because I just, there's stories to tell and I want the right stories to be told. And mm. I want, yeah. Um, it's, it's been so, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm even just shocked at how affirming and good it feels when people will ask me um, about being Lumbee, when people will ask me about my family, because I didn't have all that time to talk or to learn about them and, um, and to honor them. And so I really wanted this year to be one where I get to honor that side of the family while I'm with my mom's side of the family that I love and honor. Um, and then also for my friends to feel included in my journey, but also that I'm going to walk with them in their journey. 
Um, and that it's, they, they know, like they know what it means to me. They know the history. Um, and I feel like, you know what? They've all, it's taken me this long at 53. I'm like, it's taken me this long to kind of get to this place. So whenever they get there um, is when they get there. But I feel like they're honoring. I feel like my family is honoring. Um, and I feel like my friends are very honoring and encouraging. Um, and that's a start. <laughs> yeah. So. Thank you. Thank you for, sure. for sharing your story. Mm. Um, I think this is a part of when we think about, you know, I know for me, when I think about Thanksgiving, I want to know and, and honor um, yeah. the real story. Yeah. And not just behind Thanksgiving, but right. um, the, the people involved. Yeah. Um, and um, I think you should write a book. Oh, Phil. <laughs> I think you should tell your family story, your journey, mm -hmm. um, all that you've learned. I think you should start interviewing people, recording them, documenting them, and then sit down one one year and just write through and tell that story. That would be a, a tremendous legacy to pass on to your grandkids and great grandkids. Yeah. And, and, and that's something too, that I think is really important. And it's been good for me too, is my girls are very interested and they want to know, and they're so supportive. And I think, man, if one more generation gets to know earlier, like that, yeah. that's amazing to me. Um, and yeah, and they are fully Lumbee and fully Northern European, just like I am. And that, that's awesome. 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 Yeah. Well, thank you, Kristen, so much for your, your, your time, sharing your story, your, your transparency. Mm -hmm. um, I applaud you and I honor you, um, you for your journey, your healing and, and what you offer the world. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for having me. Thank you for giving attention to Kristen's story. I hope you are blessed and better for it. As always, thank you so much for listening and parking with me at the intersections.